I'm Zach Weiss, and you're listening to Across the Cavs on the Basketball Podcast Network. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs on Thursday, December 29th, 2022. It is game day. Indiana Pacers will be Cleveland's opponent tonight, hoping to pick up win number 23 on the season. We've had our ups, we've had our downs. But what I want to start with today was a poll question I put up yesterday, which does not surprise me to see that the results are what they are. Coming off a 60-point, 20-rebound, 10-assist, triple-double, something that had never been done in the history of the NBA, Asked a pretty simple question here on Twitter. Who would you rather have? 23-year-old LeBron or 23-year-old Luca? Knowing full well what I was doing, I'm curious to see what do people think about Luca right now compared to what we saw from Braun when he was 23. When you compare the different types of NBA, LeBron averaged 30 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists. He took his team to the finals. Luka Doncic the year prior took his team to the conference finals. So obviously both of them have had playoff success. 91% of over 400 votes say they would rather have 23-year-old LeBron. And I agree completely. That man's a two-way stud. You can't stop him. He's capable of playing the entire game. Luka is too. But his defensive ability is just out of the water compared to Luca, which is sinking to the sea by comparison. But you would think that some folks might see it from an angle of a non-biased Cavs fan and say, hey, this guy is insane uh, amidst the league of players dominating each and every night. Here's somebody that just put up something that's never been put up before. But I agree. And of course, this coming from a Cavs account and getting retweeted by Cavs accounts is going to lean it very much in one direction and not in the other. But it was, I was curious to see. So I wanted to lead with that. And also about that malice at the Palace number two last night. Did you really think it was going to happen again? John Mason was the PA announcer, I believe, the first time it happened. And now here he was again. Mr. Detroit basketball telling fans to stay in their seats to avoid jail time. Very nice PA work from John Mason, who's been around a long time in the NBA. He's been there since 2001, and he's seen some great years, some years that we hated the Pistons. But obviously, this is across the cast, but did want to include that. So let's talk about the Nets game from Monday. Game we lost by eight points, but certainly not for a lack of trying, or at least not for lack of trying from Mr. Darius Garland. 14 of 20, 46 points, eight assists, one poke to the face. I believe that was the ninth time he's been poked this year. I just want to start by talking about minute breakdown before I even talk about some thoughts obviously this game was a couple days ago if I had time to let things sit and see how I feel what I might say about it and get ready for future games so just wing wing players okay here are the minutes 
Lamar Stevens, 22. Karis LeVert, 19. Isaac Okoro, 9. Jetty Osman, 29. So, on that, Lamar had been out for, what, four or five games. He comes off the bench in one of them. And now in this game, he suited up with the starters, hit a couple of threes, was guarding the stars of Brooklyn on the perimeter. Karras came in, wasn't great. And he didn't exactly struggle. Two for five from the field, three for three of the line. He only had one turnover in 20 minutes. He wasn't getting destroyed defensively. So I'm kind of surprised he did play less. Isaac, who had been starting and playing well, playing a bigger role, dropped to just nine minutes. Okoro in his four starts played 26, 30, 25, and 20 minutes, respectively. The game against Toronto was surprising. He didn't play as much, given that he scored a season high of 15 in his 20 minutes of action. You know, Okoro this year has logged at least 20 minutes on 16 occasions. The Cavs are 12 and 4 in those games. When Okoro does not log 20 minutes, they are 10 and 9. When he logs under 6 minutes, we're 2 and 0. When he logs under 10 minutes, we are 5 and 2. The key is when Okoro logs 20 to 23 minutes, the Cavs have not lost. Now his minutes played are not indicative of when the Cavs win. But generally speaking, when Okoro plays well, the Cavs get it done. Now, he hasn't had any horrible games. He's only had a double-digit negative plus-minus five times. And in some of those games, like one of them was against Boston, he only logged five minutes. They got a win. I do believe, with that said, with the guys currently healthy, we need a little bit more of Isaac. I think he's capable of a lot. I think we're starting to see his confidence come back on the offensive end. Now, he averaged 13-4 and four in his one year in college, about a steal, about a block. And again, this season, his minutes, again, have been spotty. He's only averaging 19 minutes. He went from 10 points to rookie to nine as a sophomore to just four this year. I mean, it's no surprise. His rebounding really hasn't taken a hit. He doesn't grab many. It's tied for his high in blocks. His steal numbers haven't dropped off much. His field goal percentage is down from last season. Three-point percentage leaves a lot to be desired. His free throw percentage is up, shooting a career high so far of almost 82%, up from 77 last season. I want to see more of a Coro. As far as Lamar Stevens, if we want to do some, some checks. So he took a lot of DNP CDs, but starting with that Minnesota game where he started, he's a, he has been in the rotation every game that he has been healthy for. So let's look at some minute breakdowns for Lamar Stevens. The Cavs are 12 and 7 when he plays, by the way. They're 1 and 0 when he double doubles, which happened against Dallas on December the 14th. When Lamar scores double digit points, the Cavaliers are 5 and 1. So that's obviously somewhere where they thrive, where they do well as far as threes go. He's made double digit threes in four games. He's won two of them. There's no real trend to be seen he's been very solid you know all things considered his minutes are inconsistent he's averaging seven points and four rebounds he's had a double digit plus minus in eight of his games he's had a double digit negative double digit plus minus four times the team's actually two and two in those games so he does a lot on the court that you like 
So I'm hopeful he's his role defines itself soon. You know, between him and Coro and Levert, it's hard to say who who's gonna play how many minutes and when. Especially because Jetty Osman, I'm gonna talk about him next, just played 30 minutes in the last game. He has one DNP CD, which kind of came out of nowhere. Since then, he scored double digits in four of six games. He's logged at least 20 minutes in four of the six games. You know, he's had some some good moments this year. His minutes can continue to be inconsistent. We're 3-0 and when Jetty scores 20. But finishing up on Lamar Stevens and Isaac Okoro, Isaac should be playing at least 15 to 20 minutes a night. Lamar Stevens, maybe 10, 10 to 15. And Jetty Osman, just let JB do that. I don't uh, even know. Jetty's had a double-digit positive plus minus 10 times had an overall positive net rating in 20 of the team's 34 games he's appeared in he's been negative five or less and an additional 11 so he's really never ineffective he's only had a negative double digit minus 10 or worse plus minus twice in his 34 games he scored in double figures on 15 occasions he's hit multiple threes on 10 occasions, he had five in the big win against Utah. He's logged at least 30 minutes five times. He's logged under 20 minutes nine times. He's logged seven minutes twice against the Spurs and the Hornets. I don't understand what the deal with him is. Why does he play so inconsistently? He's had three steals on three occasions. He has four blocked shots. They're three and one in those four games. He hasn't started any. You know, he also had that game against the Clippers where he only got three minutes on the court. I don't understand why the minutes are so inconsistent, but going here in game order, he's logged double-digit minutes, as I mentioned just a minute ago, in six straight. He logged at least 20 minutes in every game from November 20th up through December 10th. So I think we're finally starting to see consistent Jetty. So the fact that he didn't play against the Mavs is still very confusing. But he does a lot. He's averaging almost 10 points a game. His numbers are pretty much the same as they have been in past years. It's his second straight year, primarily coming off the bench after being a starter for most of his second and third seasons did start 26 games in what in the 2021 season where he did miss a little time with an injury and now let's talk about Karis Levert before we take a break for a word from our sponsor Karis Levert has locked 31 games we are 19 and 12 when he plays Karis started the first 14 games of the season and then started games 26 and 27 the 19 minutes from Levert are his lowest that's how many he played against Brooklyn. Those are his lowest since he only logged 16 against the Knicks. It marked only the third time all year, fourth time, excuse me, where he's played and logged under 20 minutes. He's had a positive net rating in 18 contests. He's been minus 10 or worse seven times. The Cavs have just one win in those games. So Levert's ability, very important when he's healthy. He missed four games in the middle of the year from the 21st to the 27th against Atlanta, Portland, Milwaukee, and Detroit. A stretch where the Cavs ended up going 3-1. and Karras has scored 20-plus points six times, including that big 40-point game against Boston. 
which really came out of nowhere. He just absolutely lit it up. Karras has also had 13 games scoring single digits, including a scoreless game against Miami. When Karras scores single digits, the Cavs do tend to lose a bit. They're a 500 team there, 7-7. Seven and seven. So that means when he scores double digits, they're very solid, obviously. You know, we talk about him as a three-point shooter. He's had nine games without making a three. Avert has had 12 games of double-digit threes. The Cavs are 10-2 and two in those games. Obviously, the Cavs have been good at 22-13. and 13. So I talk about a lot of these numbers, and it might not all correlate to victory when you break it down by every individual player beyond the superstars like Don and, and uh, Garland, obviously the next tier, and Mobley and Allen. But you think about role players, and when they play well, it is hard for a team to lose because you have to worry about the stars to begin with. And then you think about what these other dudes bring and what they're going to bring to the floor and just how effective they can be. So those are my thoughts on the wings and how their success has correlated. So we'll step aside for a word from DraftKings. The season is heating up, and there are still so many unknown factors. Like how many games the Cavs are going to win? Who's going to win the East? I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet, with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money on any NBA team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings. Stepped up, same game parlays. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost the bigger your shot to win big. I'm looking right now to pick the Cavs to beat the Knicks today and then the Lakers and the Kings in the next two. Might even think about going SGP. Mitchell points, Garland assists. Why not? So download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back, folks. Zach Weiss with you on this edition of Across the Cavs. We're winding down 2022, which means that we're going to be in the year five of Across the Cavs coming up. Yes, the show started during the 1920 season, so this is the fourth NBA season we've been on. But the show starting in October of 2019 itself does mean that we are in another month, another year. I mean, it's it's been great. This isn't a big milestone episode. We're in the 120s right now with how many have been recorded. But just appreciate the support as always. Y'all know I've never been to Cleveland. That's going to change in a couple of weeks when the Cavs play the Pelicans. I am beyond excited to finally be able to set foot in the arena been way too long for me not being at a game so it's going to be an incredible experience so to be able to talk about the Cavs and I say this a lot but I don't take it for granted to have a, some kind of platform big small whatever size you, you think across the Cavs is to have it to talk about the team has just been incredible and I'm grateful for everybody I'm able to engage and interact with whether you disagree with me whether you agree with me if you think I'm dumb if you think I'm smart whatever you can have those opinions but I'm grateful to have the interactions and the communications because growing up, 
There's no Cavs fans in New Jersey where I'm from. There were LeBron bandwagon fans. But there's no real Cavs fans. There's no one I can talk about the game in depth with. No one's going to know who Sasha Pavlovich is before the playoffs begin. You know, no one was patting me on the back saying, hey, Larry Hughes, that's great. You know, so it's been incredible. I don't, again, I don't take that for granted. Appreciate everybody that's always engaging and creating conversation. The people I've met through recording, you know, being able to talk to so many former Cavs has just been incredible. But anyway, bringing it back to what's happening in Cavs land, let's talk about the Cavs' upcoming schedule. So we got three games between now and Monday, two left in the new year, both against Central Division opponents, both on the road. Cavs might be celebrating New Year's in Chi-Town. May we hope it's not too cold. Heading to Indiana tonight. This is a Pacers team that is very tricky. You got to kind of ignore the record when you talk about them. They're 18 and 17. They're near the bottom of the league in attendance. But my goodness, how fun have they been to watch? They're one of my favorite league pass teams this year. They're led by Tyrese Halliburton's 21 points and 11 assists a game, 48-40-88 shooting splits. Buddy Heald averaging almost 18 a game. He was considered maybe just a, a throw-in in that Sabonis trade. I mean, obviously it's a big deal when you can get but when you can get Tyrese Halliburton in the second year with the player he is, only 22. We didn't know how long Buddy Heald would stay in Indiana. He's got shooting splits of 45, 41, 86. Then you got Miles Turner shooting 41% from deep. You got the talented rookie Ben Matherin averaging 17 off the bench. He's shooting the ball relatively well, 42%. Aaron Neesmith really helping that defense on the perimeter after coming over. Got TJ McConnell who loves to terrorize the Cavs in the steal column. You know, this is a dangerous team. You have that rookie Andrew Nemhard who had the game winner against the Lakers. He had a 30-burger on Steph Curry with 13 assists. You got some guys that really had to work to get to the NBA after slow starts like O'Shea Brissett. Jalen Smith didn't do much in the beginning in Phoenix. He gets traded here. He's been a really good floor spacer for them. He's got to be better with his three-point shot. Hopefully he's not. In our case, they got Chris Duarte back recently. He's not shooting the ball well at all, but he's capable of heating up. Isaiah Jackson, shot-blocking machine. Obviously, Miles Turner is a force at the rim. I'm curious to see how this one goes. You know, I think whoever Tyrese Halliburton is guarding, and my best guess is they might throw him on Lamar Stevens. you got to take advantage of that. He does have any injury. He might sit. I don't expect that to be the case. You know, when Ben Matherin comes in, I think Karis Lurkan has to come in and match him, keep him from going off. Allen will have his hands full with Turner. Jalen Smith has been in a bench role more of late with Aaron Neesmith getting the start at the power forward spot. So I expect that matchup to go to Mobley. Or, you know, maybe they'll put him on one of the wings. I don't know. Whoever Darius Garland is guarding, it's going to have to be careful. My guess is they put him on Buddy Heel to run him around. They might also just put him on Neesmith because he's less of an offensive threat. Nonetheless, it's going to be a tough game. You could say what you want about the Pacers. They're a 500 team. There's a lot of teams hovering around 500 in the NBA right now between Dallas and Indiana, Miami. Philly was just there recently. The Knicks, you know, for all the good teams in the, in the standings, there's so many teams that are just barely keeping above 
So, yeah, speaking of Indy, New York, and Miami are all one game over 500. The Hawks are one game under 500. The Jazz are one game over. The Mavs are now three games over. Portland's two games over. The Warriors are 500. Minnesota is three games over. And by the way, Mike Brown's Sacramento Kings are currently sitting in the sixth spot in the Western Conference, which means if the playoffs started today, they're a long way off. But the Kings would be in without the play-in. DeMontis Sabonis has been a beast. Matthew Delvadova's leadership on the bench, I really think. This might just be me being a deli stand. I think it's meant a lot to them to have a veteran like that, yes, in their ear, and a guy that Mike Brown coached early in his career, early in Delhi's career, obviously, not Mike Brown's. And it's just, it's a fun squad. Hopefully Harrison Barnes, when we play the Kings again, doesn't hit a buzzer beater to end it. The first matchup, let's just forget about this year. But, you know, it's a, it's a good team. There's a lot of 500 squads, so we can't take the Pacers lightly. I am, though, going to predict a victory for the Cavs. I think this is going to be a good night for us. We're going to get win number 23. We're now fourth in the East behind Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Boston, who are pretty clearly the three best teams in the league. The Nets have won 10 straight. So when you consider that the Cavs couldn't get it done, they couldn't stop Kyrie in the fourth quarter, they couldn't stop TJ Warren, even when KD fouled out and he couldn't get it done, it's because Ben Simmons has really made an impact this year. He started the season slow. There were all these concerns, but he'd been out of the game a while. None of us wanted to admit that he was going to have rust. He's been incredible. So whether or not you love him or you hate him, and we almost traded for him over the summer, remember? You got to be happy that he's on the court again. You can hate him, but at least hate the fact that he's playing well. Whatever you're, If you're a Sixers fan, whatever fan you are. You, if you're a Sixers fan, you definitely hate the guy. But he also got you James Harden, who has one of the best plus minuses, I believe second best net rating in the NBA behind only Ben Simmons since coming back from his injury. He drops dimes, he hits threes, and I think the Sixers are going to be tough in the playoffs if he's healthy again, fully healthy come playoff time. So whatever. Then on Saturday night, the last one we predict here, Chicago Bulls. What a weird season for them. You hate to see it if you're Chicago because you're coming off here where you made the playoffs. DeMar DeRozan, for a short stretch, was an MVP candidate. They went 46 and 36. DeMar averaged 28. Levine averaged 24. Vooch was good on the glass. They had some Lonzo Ball. He hasn't played at all this year. Who knows when he's coming back? He's dealt with just so many injuries. Lonzo Ball, by the way, the Bulls gave him $80 million a few years ago. This would be his sixth NBA season. Here his games missed by year. 30, 35, 9, 27, 47. And now this year, obviously, he hasn't suited up. He's missed another 34 games. The Bulls would be in the plane if it started today. So doing something right i don't know see how long billy donovan lasts demar is averaging 27 levine's averaging 22 demar's even more efficient than last year but this team really is nothing special andre drummond is here he's averaging six and seven in his limited minutes off the bench caruso's currently hurt he wasn't scoring at all Desumu's been okay. They don't really have a, a point guard that can facilitate. That's the problem. It's great that DeMar leads with five assists. Levine averages four. You need a real point guard that can actually facilitate. Kobe White has not been too good for them. Javante Green is 
whatever, Goran Dragic isn't going to win you games unless he's coming into a role where a team is kind of established and set. They have been extremely underwhelming since the year first began. They're four games under 500. They're having some locker room issues. Vucevic is probably going to get moved. I don't know who else they're going to trade this year or if they might just say, forget it, let's go for it. But they don't scare me. DeMar and Levine can get their buckets. The only way we're losing this game, and obviously Patrick Williams has been okay. Bulls Twitter is calling him a bust, but he shoots 40% from three, 90% from the line, 45 from the field. He averages over a block to lead the team. I would not call that a bust, guys. He's only 21, by the way. If we had Patrick Williams, I would be ecstatic. He was taking the pick before Coro was. They average pretty much the same numbers minus the rebound totals for the first two years of their careers. This year, Williams is obviously outplaying Okoro for what it's worth. So it's a battle of lottery picks. While they guard each other, we'll see how many minutes Okoro even gets in this one. But just don't let DeMar and Levine do their thing all game. Don't let them get in the flow. They're not going to move the ball much. We know that much. So just make them uncomfortable. Make sure Stevens and Okoro are guarding up. Make sure that Donovan Mitchell's guarding up. And if need be, put Evan Mobley on DeMar DeRozan. Let the USC brothers go at it. So I do predict a win. So I expect the Cavs to finish out the year 2-0 with a couple more victories, which would take them into the new year with a 24-13 and record. Not bad, huh? Given that all that we traded for Donovan Mitchell. I mean, we expected to win, but nonetheless. That'll do it for today's episode of Across the Cavs. A lot more to come in the new year. You'll hear from me in 2023. As always, I'm Zach Weiss saying so long. And if you like what you heard, drop a review on Apple, on Spotify, and listen wherever you get your podcasts.